Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Of course, the Pittsburgh Penguins are on a bye week, but your hosts, Nick Berlansky and Nick Horwat, do not take bye weeks. We rarely miss an episode, as you know, if you're a longtime listener. So we're back to talk a little bit about the Pittsburgh Penguins here, as they have the next about week off uh, from games. But we have a lot to talk about. We certainly are on no shortage of topics. We're going to start out by talking about the, the 10 goaltenders because obviously Tristan Jari, his status is unclear. We'll talk about all that. We'll talk about the priority of getting another goaltender in. Elliot Friedman had some things to say of Sportsnet and 32 Thoughts, the podcast. We're going to look at potential trade targets if that's the lane that Ron Hextall chooses to go. So that's what's on tap for just segment one. Uh, segment two, we're going to look into the big three and where they're at at the all-star break. And then of course, in the last segment, as we do every single Monday, our weekly pens poll, but Horwat, uh, with the game that we saw on Saturday, the Pittsburgh Penguins falling to a lowly San Jose Sharks team. That's trying to get in the best position possible for Connor Bedard Penguins lose on home ice by a score of six to four. I know that Obviously, we've been hard on coin flip Casey all season long. We saw him have a pretty good performance in Washington, which was nice. But he bookended those with a pretty bad performance uh, the game before that. And then, obviously, giving up six goals or five in his case is not great. Some of those not his fault because the defense fell apart a lot, too. Yeah, some of those sure, some of those are not his fault. Um, and you're right, the defense did be, has become an issue, but not in an issue of changing personnel more of an issue of just kind of straightening up and tweaking a couple of things here and there maybe a personnel change from one or two faces but nothing nothing like we need to do with the bottom six or what we might quote unquote need to do with this goaltending tandem because uh boy this has still become an issue though this has become an interesting i know we talked about jari's injury last episode uh and said something along the lines of this at least might benefit the Penguins in contract negotiations. Um, a lot of talk has been as like a lot of the talk surrounding the goaltending situation has been finding a trade partner of sorts for somebody, which we're gonna get into in a minute here. But for the game, man, you got to feel for Casey. But at the same time, some of those, yeah, the defense breaks down, but you still need to make a save. Eventually, you still yeah. need to make a save. I mean, because sure, it's. Defensive breakdowns uh, against San Jose. Okay, how about in Washington where he put up a ton of saves? Good on you. Mm-hmm. But how about Florida? I don't don't remember that many defensive breakdowns, and there were six goals. It was seven to six. I get we won and came out on the right end of things, but you still shouldn't be giving up six goals in a hockey game. It, we can't have the Toronto Maple Leafs issue. You cannot outscore your problems. We can't do mm-hmm. that here. Yeah, it's funny because the Toronto Maple Leafs are actually turning things around defensively yeah. and playing really team defense, uh, which is what the Pittsburgh Penguins kind of pride themselves on, but they haven't been able to really do it in the week leading up to this bye week. But looking at the Pittsburgh Penguins, obviously, like I mentioned earlier in the show, Tristan Jari's status after the break is unclear. The only thing that we really got from Mike Sullivan was we're going to sit him down up until the break at the very least and see where we're at when we come back. So we have no idea 
if he's going to be out, you know, a week or more than one week once the Penguins return from the All-Star break here in, in, in about uh, eight days. But according to Elliot Friedman, it might be something with his groin. I thought that there was something upper body injury. Um, obviously unclear on what his status really is, Horwat. Uh, what are you hearing about the status of Tristan Jari as of right now before we get into, obviously, the, the grand scheme of things when it comes to Penguins goaltending? Yeah, last thing I heard was that it was the upper body injury that Mike Sullivan discovered when he showed up to the rink. Um, mm-hmm. And that's going to just be my presumption as well, just because he showed up to the rink and to ready to play, and then that's when you know Mike Sullivan shut him down. That's when goaltending coach Andy Kyoto, training staff, shut him down, and that's when five minutes where they were set to go on the ice, Casey DeSmith found out. Um, so it's an interesting little wrinkle into the situation if Mm -hmm. especially if you know that was nonsense and maybe Friedman has a different source that says it was the groin again I don't know that being said though um it's it's tough because we need a goaltender that is healthy but in the same vein when Tristan Jari is healthy and in the game by god he's one of the best in the league he truly can be um Mm -hmm. these just keep getting in the way Yeah, and I think that brings up a really interesting perspective about the trade market and whether or not the Pittsburgh Penguins will need to make a trade before the March 3rd deadline. And Elliot Friedman of 32 Thoughts, the podcast for Sportsnet, had this to say about the Pittsburgh Penguins and their current goaltending situation. He said, the worst thing you can do as a general manager is lose a playoff series for the same reason two years in a row. Hmm. Because when you lose a playoff series, it's your job to fix the problem, right? Yeah. If they go into the playoffs and that's the reason they lose, say, in the first round, how do you sell that to everybody? They were probably looking at this year and saying, if we have to fix something, we're going to have to fix this. They they weren't thinking it was going to be the goalie problem, right? Yeah. To me, this is like a nightmare for the Penguins. A nightmare for the Penguins is how he ended that conversation. Horwat, is this a nightmare, and should this be Ron Hextall's top priority with about 30-some days to go, probably exactly like 32 days to go, speaking of 32 Thoughts, the podcast, 32 days until the NHL's trade deadline? Uh, It's tough to say if this should be the top priority because there are quite a few issues on this team, but (sighs) perhaps, yes, but it's not an any way, shape, or form to send out Tristan Jari. I've been hammering this nail home uh, this whole time that the injury issue isn't so much Jari's fault. I mean, it, yes, he's made a glass. There's nothing he could do about it, though. Um, really, this injury issue is nobody's fault, is what I'm trying to say. What needs to change is the formula that we're using <clears throat> with him. It is because we're sending Casey out... Or, uh, Tristan Jari out for how many games? I mean, he played damn near 60 last season, and he was and he still had an injury. Um, that sounds like way too many games to me. Yeah, he played 58 last year, and he was still injured at the end of the season. He would have finished with 60-plus had he you know, not suffered his lower body injury then. Um, we're sending him out there as a clear one option, number one, and putting him up 60-plus games. Casey's getting 20-something. That's not going to work anymore. That's just not because Tristan Jari is a 1A guy. This is the formula we need to go back to, like we had Murray and Flurry. 1A, 1B. They're going to split time a little more often. They're going to give Jari some rest every so often. Who knows? Maybe that keeps his stamina up. That you know, Maybe that avoids an injury here and there, and he's good to go for a full season and into a postseason because then he becomes your starter in the postseason. I don't know what kind of options... <clears throat> Could be as the 1B. Don't know what's affordable, don't know what's available, but that's something that for uh, GM Ron Hextall to figure out. And mul- This team needs multiple moves. That should eventually come down to being one of them. I I said during the offseason, Casey DeSmith shouldn't be coming back anyway. How good he played last season, be damned. It's It was time for a change back there. And I'm not saying I predicted this kind of season from him. I'm not going to, you know, get on a high horse and say, I told you I was right. No, I'm going to say uh, he shouldn't have been back here for the sake of getting some, getting a fresh face in this lineup. And now here he is, 7-10-4. Mm-hmm. So I was partially right, but in the, I didn't want to be. 
A couple of things on what you just said right there. I do disagree that that Tristan Jari is a 1A. I think if he's healthy, which is the, an important caveat to this, and I understand where you're coming from with it, but if he is healthy, he's a one period. Like, And you mentioned it earlier. He's a top goaltender in this league when he's healthy and playing on his game. The only problem is he's now had four injuries in the last calendar year. But he is not a 1A at full health. He is a one period. So I understand that you don't necessarily need a 1B if you have him clicking on all cylinders, but he hasn't clicked on all cylinders for over a year now. This is two seasons straight where injuries have derailed Tristan Jari, and Casey DeSmith is not a 1B. He's a 2, period. And and that's the problem right now with the Pittsburgh Penguins is not only was it the injuries last year, that's what a lot of people are pointing to with Ron Hextall and his inaction is, hey, you ran it back when you saw this issue in the playoffs and late in the season last year, the issue was stemming from that first full series for Tristan Jari against the New York Islanders. When you saw that performance in the playoffs, you should have fortified your goaltending room. You should have gotten him a 1B because there's times where he performs like a 1A and there's times that he is now injured. That is a new issue, but it's just compiling to the fact where the inaction of Ron Hextall is making it look worse and worse as time goes along. There could have been an argument made that they needed a 1B after that Islander series going into last season. You stuck true with Jari and DeSmith. That's fine. All right. That's that's what you're going to do. And you see Jari go down at the end of the season. You see DeSmith go down at the end of the season. And guess what the biggest issue with that was? DeSmith wasn't available for that New York Islanders series. He was not healthy enough to play in that New York Islanders series. So people are saying, and Friedman said when we played that clip earlier, he said, yeah, it happened last season. It happened two seasons ago, too. So if that's going to happen three times in a row, you know, even in baseball, you don't get another chance like that. Three strikes, you're out. Hextall is on the hot seat. We already know that. We don't need to get into it. But with this goaltending situation right now, Tristan Jari, to me, when healthy is one period. I said that before. But they do need to go out and get somebody else because Casey DeSmith is absolutely cooked. Like, coin flip Casey, we saw a great performance on Wednesday. Let's not take that away from him. But it was bookended by two games where he gave up five-plus goals. And one of them was against the, the San Jose Sharks on home ice. Both of them were on home ice. So it's an issue, and I do think it should be his top priority now. Because if you look at this Penguins roster, yes, there's a long list of priorities. The bottom six needs help. You might need another defenseman to fortify what you have there. There's plenty of moves that need to be made. But one, I don't know if Ron Hextall is going to be able to make three moves. I think you'll be happy and lucky if you see him make two trades that impact the NHL roster. I don't see him making more than two, which is sad. He needs to. The Penguins need more than two trades to be actually where they should be heading into this stretch run. And number two, with the Pittsburgh Penguins, yes, the bottom six needs help. But if they get the bottom six the way it is, it doesn't impact the game as much as if Tristan Jari goes down in the playoffs and Casey DeSmith's your guy. That effectively ends your chances at a Stanley Cup. If the bottom six underperforms, you can still have the top six potentially carry this team through a series till they get their stuff together. But if your goaltender goes out again, third time in a row where you had goaltending issues in the playoffs, that's the biggest issue, and that is something the Penguins can't come back from. So to me, this should be Ron Hextall's top priority moving forward in the next 32 days. Yeah. No, that's a fair that's a fair assessment <clears throat> because it would be the third straight year. There is just un, there is unpredictability in that. Obviously, you can't you can't know if someone's going to get hurt in the for the postseason. It's mm-hmm. understandable, but and you can't even say that because it because injuries are such a finicky thing and so weird. You can't even say well if there's a pattern. Eh, there's really not. I mean, yeah, they're getting hurt, but. You don't know when they're going to get hurt. No one expected, nobody expected Jari, not even Jari expected him to be hurt heading into that game against Florida. And then there, then there he was. No one's expecting anyone to get hurt at any given time. It's just, it, it's it's not even inevitable that it's going to happen again. It is a weird, tough situation. And Elliot did go on to say that, uh, Ron Hextall, of all people, has an inside track to this mind of being a goalie. And sure, he does, but different age now. 
Ron Hextall played in 80s, 90s? You know, he... <laughs> and the way he played was also very differently, but I think... Uh, I don't know. It, if that's, that's definitely the move he has to make, though. We know that, at mm-hmm. least. And it's there is no one out there on the market really but sure he can find somebody Mm -hmm. yeah i i don't want to throw elliot friedman under the bus or or say anything negative about elliot friedman because he is one of the premier hockey minds in the entire industry but the whole he's a goaltender he was a goaltender so if there's anybody that can handle it it's him i don't subscribe to that crap i like he could be patrick wall and dominic kaschuk's love child i still don't subscribe to that 35 plus years later when the game is so vastly different and he's in a different position you're a general manager if anything that clouds his judgment because he can say you know what i had the same issues or i knew somebody that had the same issues they came out better on the other side you need to look at it objectively. So his past as a goaltender and the fact that he played in the NHL as a goaltender, I don't like that fact. I don't think that helps him at all. And I think you need to look at what he's doing in the position he's in. And right now he's one of the worst general managers in the National Hockey League. But let's switch things around and talk about potential targets because Horwat, I, I was looking around and you and I agreed before this show, the goaltending market is not very plentiful this season. I mean, the trade market as a whole is pretty dry, but the goaltending market is the Sahara and there is literally no names being floated out on the market right now. Is there anybody that you can think of? I have a list here, but again, they're all reaches. None of them really in, in the news as trade targets. Is there anybody that you could see that the penguins would get and help uh, if they were able to acquire this just goaltending? Are we going everywhere? Goaltending, just goaltending. So yeah, that's where the dried, the dried up market is where the the well has gone dry. Um, I think of the names that have been floated out there, there's all caveats to all of them. You have to look at you have to look for teams who have you know their solid starter who they're confident in and maybe a backup they're looking to get rid of, or a team that's got three goalies, which is rare, you know. And that's you're not going to find someone who's got three consistent goalies. I'd start with Karel Vimelka, but. That one that comes with a caveat of Arizona thinks they can be good soon. And with some of the pieces they have, maybe they can be. Um, and he will hit his prime right in time, apparently. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to want to get rid of him. If they do continue wanting to tank, they should. But I also don't see Pittsburgh being that sort of option. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. And then the other option I saw was Thatcher Demko, which is interesting i did a lot of trash talking on him before the season started <laughs> yes, um you did but and then his numbers kind of oh i get the canucks are bad but boy oh boy they needed a save at some point too um he's also injured so those are the first two that come to my head where i kind of scoff at a little and go maybe not them specifically uh, i'm interested to hear some other names that you have but so far out of those two names just I think Demko seems more realistic as someone who we would have to place into the backup position before he butts into a starter like he was supposed to this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Veggie's an interesting guy out in Arizona. Uh, we've seen him twice with the against the Pittsburgh Penguins this season, and he stood on his head in the opener because he was getting no help from the rest of his team. He's somebody that can steal a game, and we've seen that at the NHL level, 13-17-4 on that Coyotes team. 319 goals allowed average, a 907 save percentage, and 3.54 goals saved above expected. I think he's probably the best case scenario for the Penguins, but as you mentioned, the Coyotes, uh, you know, it seems as if that everybody would be available for the right price, but what are they going to ask for Vimelka when they've struggled to get, like, really good goaltenders to stay in Arizona. I mean, they had Darcy Kemper for a couple years, and he fled to go win a Stanley Cup with the Colorado Avalanche. So it's tough to get good goaltenders to go to bad teams. And when they have a guy like Vimelka, I don't know if they're going to get rid of him unless you're going to overpay. And if, if that's the top priority, that's the top priority. But also overpaying for a guy that should be your backup goaltender is not something that I, I feel like is, is a good uh, form of practice for a general manager. But I do like Vimelka. I think it's realistic if he's available. But again, as you mentioned, the Coyotes, 
Who knows where they believe they're going to be? I hope they get Connor Bedard. Like, I'll put that out there right now. I want Connor Bedard to go to the Arizona Coyotes. And then I want Austin Matthews to, to have a homecoming so we can watch Matthews and Bedard play together. I think that would be a lot of fun, but that's just, you know, fantasy land as of right now. Um, Not Bedard going there. That's very real. But there's three other names that I have on this list. And, and here's the thing that you have to look at. If you're going to go out there and any listeners that are going to say, you know what, I'm going to try to do this too. I'm going to try to find a goaltender for the Pittsburgh Penguins to potentially target. You have to realize the numbers aren't going to be good on whoever the Penguins get. Like, there's a very slim chance that the numbers are going to be impressive for the goaltender that the Penguins are able to pick up because there's not many that are available. There's a lot of teams this year that are in the playoff chase that weren't last year. Last year, let's not forget, there were only eight teams in an eight-team eight field in the East from like December 4th on. So there's a lot more teams that have an opportunity to make the playoffs and might not be selling. Um, so with that in mind, two of the guys that I have that I think are options that might not break the bank and that might provide an upgrade over Casey Smith, one of them being Anthony Stolarz out in Anaheim. There's a history, of course, with the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Anaheim Ducks making trades. Stolarz is 4-6-0 on the season. 3.88 goals allowed average, 897 save percentage, and a negative 5.51 goal saved above expected. But again, you're not going to get good numbers for whoever you're going to grab. And also, he's playing on a team that is actively tanking. Like, actively tanking. So, you take a bet on that, and you hope to not overpay for it, and you hope that it ends up being better than Casey DeSmith. Another name that I have on this list, Anton Forsberg of the Ottawa Senators. He is 10-10-2. A little bit better numbers with a 3.09 goals allowed average and a 9.06 save percentage. Only minus 1.48 goals saved above expected. But again, what are you getting from the Ottawa Senators? And what do you have to give back to get a guy like Forsberg? I don't know. Because I don't know if that's enough of a bump to justify paying anything worth of actual value. And that's what the Senators are going to want because it is a seller's market right now. And the last name I'll give, and then I'll let you re react and then we'll move on afterwards. And this is the one that I would like to see the most, but this is the one that's going to be the hardest to actually happen. You mentioned, maybe you look at a team that's playing with three goaltenders. There's only one team that is actively rotating three goaltenders in, and it helped that one of them was injured, which is why there was been three the entire season. That's the Buffalo Sabres, a team that is currently fighting with the Pittsburgh Penguins for playoff positioning. That's going to be the most expensive, though, because if you look at Craig Anderson, 8-6-2 on the season, 2.73 goals allowed average, 9-18 save percentage, and 3.02 goals saved above expected. One of the oldest players in the National Hockey League, but at the goaltending position, he has been a great leader for the Buffalo Sabres, not just netminders, but the entire team. They love him up there, which is why it's going to be a little bit cost costly to get him away from there and also because you're right at neck and neck with that team in the playoff race it's going to be tough for those two teams to come to an agreement now Sabres general manager Kevin Adams is not too eager to sell off pieces just yet for a run he's not ready to sell his younger prospects that are going to come up because that is such a young team and they'd like to make the playoffs trust me Buffalo I'm assuming would love to make the playoffs for the first time in a very long time but they're not going to trade the farm to put them into the second wild card spot or first wild card spot when the future is so bright for that team. Uko Pekka is the future of their netminders. They also have Eric Comrie, who's been pretty good when he's healthy. But Craig Anderson, to me, is the premier, and you're going to have to pay for him, but the premier guy to put in that slot because he will know his role, but he'll also be able to stand up as a starting goaltender if need be in case of emergency, much better than Casey DeSmith. And the one guy, before I let you respond, sorry, I'm kind of going on a rant. The one guy that I think goes back in that trade is somebody that will help out Buffalo uh, if he can get back to his game, and that's Teddy Bluger. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, Teddy Bluger should be on the trade block and part of most of these deals. Um, That Buffalo one's interesting. I like it, but I do think that spot in the their, their spot in the playoff race gets in the way of anything with us, I think. I mean... They're breathing down our necks. We're lucky that they're they only have one game during our bye week, or else we'd be coming back from the bye week out of a playoff spot. Um, that's an interesting one. I forgot about Buffalo using three goalies. My thought, my brain went to Carolina and they're using 
three-ish goalies. I they mean, are. You know they don't want to sell off uh, Piotr because they just re-signed him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also not their backup right now? No, he's in the AHL. Uh, that's that's a weird position to be in for them. Um, mm-hmm. It's the same thing with the Penguins and Ty Smith, though. Yeah. They can't, afford, they can't afford to have him up there, and they're saying, you know what, we'll have you up in the future, but we can't afford it with, with Ranta and, uh, and Anderson. Yeah, but then they're also not going to play. Oh, but Ranta's twelve two and two. Oh goodness. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, yeah. They're in a, they're in a decent position. Oh man, I hate this team. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, because you figure they're a team that doesn't want to carry three goalies. But I mean, if they are true to having uh, Kachekov coast through the AHL for another season, you'd think maybe they're looking to. They would want a king's ransom for Ranta, given that record I just read. So never mind. But yeah, um. Yeah, this Buffalo's an option. Maybe like Carolina's an off-season option if it really gets down to the nitty-gritty. Um, I just can't think of any other teams right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I like some of those voices, some of those names. Um, anybody. Anybody will do. Make a move, Ron. Anything. Make a move. I don't know if Ron has been making calls. All I know is that he should have started picking up the phone after we blew a 4-0 lead to Detroit. That was over a month ago. We've been begging for a trade for this team of any sorts for over a month now. This is embarrassing. I had we had we recorded post have had had we decided to record post-game podcasts by the way. Um I don't know if I would have made it through what day was that? Saturday. Mm-hmm. I was pissed. Because I'm going to go on a quick rant and then we can hit break. I was angry after we went to overtime against Anaheim. I said then, if they somehow turn this overtime victory against Anaheim into a point streak, so be it. Whatever. They did that, sort of. I mean, they lost the first game outright to Ottawa, right? No, that game went to overtime. They stretched it into a nice little six-game point streak. But guess what? How did some of it still look embarrassing the entire time? And then they capped it off with a loss to the San Jose Sharks. A clean loss to the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, I was furious. Um, sure, you got points here and there, but you're still in the second wild card spot. And like I said, you're lucky Buffalo's not playing a game this week either, or else we'd be out of it. Actually, they could still win their game and we'd be out of it. So, Pens fans, uh, hold on dearly to your 16 years because uh, that might be it. Yeah, we'll talk about that at the end of the show with our weekly pens poll. And a lot of you, uh, a lot of you Penguins fans are, are in the same boat as what Nick Horwat just said. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, let's talk about the big three at the break. Let's get some positivity going in here, Horwat. Big three at the break after this break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Verlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and we decided, you know what, we haven't talked about these guys for a little while. I mean, excluding Latang because of, obviously, his circumstances, but we haven't really talked about, specifically, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, because they've just been plodding along as great as can be and just carrying the team on their back. So when that happens, and the Penguins still don't get wins, we usually discuss the parts that aren't working. But I figured let's let's get into this segment and talk about the things that are working. Let's start with Sidney Crosby, because he has 49 games played this season, 24 goals, 36 assists, and 60 points. On pace for 40 goals and 100 points on the season on the dot. Horwat, what have you thought of the captain's performance through the all-star break oh he's been the best player on this team sure there was a little bump in the road back there but 
That'll happen for a 35-year-old player, no matter what. Oh, my God. Uh, the bump in the road was a four-game pointless streak, which was the longest of his career, basically, which is hilarious to even say. I get what, I get mm -hmm. why you said it, because that's a bump in the road yeah. for Sidney Crosby, but that is just ridiculous to think of. Yeah, I mean, that's... Well, that's also what threw him off of this pace, though. He was on, what, he's on a 100-point pace now. He was, I think it was up as high as 111. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that little four-game skid popped him down to below 100 at the time, but... Um, yeah, he's got gotten back up to a hundred point pace. It's pretty incredible seeing him do this kind of thing at the age of thirty five, uh, and he's goal scoring. He's leading the team in goals by four uh, over Jake Gensel, who only has twenty, um, and he's doing it in spite of whoever's on his right wing, whether it be Raquel or Rust, uh, and then he's doing it in spite of Jake Gensel also hitting goals goalless streaks. Um, it's been a ton of fun watching Sidney Crosby play hockey this season. And if anyone's going to have single-handedly just manhandle this team into the postseason, it's going to be him. Uh, but you can tell that he doesn't have the same sort of youthful ability to do it visibly. Uh, he does need the supporting cast to help him out a little bit, though. I mean, you can, I, you can tell he's driven to win games but they're just some things getting in the way with Sidney Crosby and here's the stat that I told you at the beginning of the show before we started 17 multi-point games this season only held scoreless 16 times this year so more frequently Crosby will notch more than one point than he will be held off the score sheet this season that for one is ridiculous and then you of course you can look at the underlying numbers where he is towards the tops of the Pittsburgh Penguins in all situations despite being iced for the most ice time among forwards and going up against the toughest opponents because they like to give Crosby the tough opponents because he's pretty good on 200 feet across the ice. 52.17% of the shot attempts at 5-on-5, five five, which is good for 6 on the Penguins. 54.79% of the goals scored when he's on the ice at 5-on-5, five five, again 6th. 54% of the expected goals, which is 8th. And 55% of the high danger chances, which is ninth on the Pittsburgh Penguins. And as we mentioned, he had that four games where he struggled to get points. He didn't get on the score sheet. And then, of course, you look at what he was able to do. Crosby heads into break on a seven-game point streak right now. Three goals and 12 points in that current streak. And oddly enough, he's getting the worst of the wing play between him and Malkin. Normally, we say, hey, Sidney Crosby gets all the great wings, and then they go down and play better with Evgeny Malkin. We said it with James Neal. We said it with, I believe, UC Jokinen was the same way. Um, but right now, the better wing play is going to Evgeny Malkin. I, I think you look at Jason Zucker and Ricard Raquel, they have been much more consistent throughout the season than Jake Gensel and Brian Rust. You mentioned it a couple minutes ago. Brian Rust is having an awkwardly odd season, which we'll get into later in the week. And Jake Gensel had that streak where he didn't score a five-on-five goal for over a month. So the way Crosby has been able to keep that line afloat and still get a lot of you know, progress out of those players... I think that's also why people think that he's playing injured. I, I know Jeff Taylor of Fly Penguins Fly said, is he injured? Because something seems off. And I think it's because he's carrying two players that right now are inconsistent. They can still be two of the best players and two of the best wingers that he's ever had. Uh, I think Jake Ensel is still putting together a really good season. But there are games where you can just see that Rust is fighting an uphill battle. Gensel's fighting an uphill battle and that starts to, to wear and tear at Crosby who's probably just get it going out there and trying to turn things around on his own yeah it's just, it's just a back injury man's is just carrying this line <laughs> um there's only so much he can do and we're seeing that he's done quite a lot for this team already imagine what his numbers could be if uh you know if uh, Brian Rust was a little was a little bit more on the consistent side this season or if uh, Jake Gensel was hitting even a 40-goal pace to help us out. Um, these would be in, incredible numbers. I mean, he's already putting up great stuff on his own. It's uh, a matter of getting the wing help to help him out. And I you know, I think at this point the discussion of Raquel or Russ is just Raquel's going to be good wherever he goes. Yeah. Um, so let's just kind of let him play wherever he plays because he's going to benefit their his center no matter what. Um, I do believe... I think Raquel in the first line's better, but that being said, uh, Raquel on the second line is still just as good. He's just the mm -hmm. good player that's going to help either player out. 
and Crosby should be able to get the most out of whoever he has. Yeah, and I, I think let's let's move over to that second line right now because I feel like Zucker and Raquel have really settled in with Evgeny Malkin, and that unit's chemistry is higher now than it, it's ever been. I mean, I feel like they've worked together really well because early on in the season, you could see that there was talent. You could see that it would work, but the chemistry was just a little off. I, I think that you see now that Zucker, Malkin, and Raquel have a lot of chemistry, and it's starting to pay dividends for the Pittsburgh Penguins as that is, again, you know, we talked about 1A, 1B for goaltenders. I feel like they have 1A, 1B for forward lines right now because Malkin has been phenomenal. I mean, for anybody that was worried about Evgeny Malkin's performance when the contract talks were happening in the in the offseason, he's played 49 games, scored 50 points, 19 goals on the season. He is on pace to put up 32 goals and 84 points. 24 of his 50 points are coming on the power play. He leads the team. And just having a phenomenal season is Evgeny Malkin at the age of, what, 35, 36? 36. Uh, I think at the very least you can say it's safe to say that year one uh, was certainly worth the money of this new deal for Evgeny Malkin. Yep. Yeah, there's nothing, there are no bad things you could say about Malkin's game this year so far. Uh, are there a little defensive lapses? Yes, there has been for the last 15 years, guys. <laughs> That's nothing mm-hmm. new. Um, He's playing incredible. 50 points is... I don't know if it's more than what we expected, but I mean, this has been a ton of fun to watch, and he's playing, as Mike Sullivan will say, inspired hockey every game. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows that uh, this is the tail end of all of their chances, and it's he's putting it all on the line, game after game. I genuinely think he deserved to be in an all-star game this year, but they, listen, those are whole other arguments we can have later in the week if we decide to. That being mm-hmm. said, Evgeny Malkin uh, is playing a phenomenal season and it's only helping the team again he's he is the one that is ironically enough scoring the big important goals to keep the penguins in games to put them ahead in games uh i mean what he had multiple power play goals last game or at least one mm-hmm. huge one that helped benefit the t- that helped keep the team in it mm-hmm. um just one yeah but Ugh, man, I you, there are no but there are no bad things to say about Evgeny Malkin. If you're saying bad things about Malkin, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, I, I think the only thing you can look at is the fact that the Pittsburgh Penguins, as we mentioned, are led by Evgeny Malkin on that power play, and there have been times where that power play is just not consistent enough. Twenty-two point seven percent success rate, which is good for fifteenth in the NHL. It runs through Malkin, and we've always seen that. We've always known that. So when it gets inconsistent. I think that falls on Malkin's shoulders more than it does the other four guys out there on the ice, uh, simply because that's his unit. You know, Crosby's obviously the best player on the team, uh, but the power play runs through Evgeny Malkin, so that does go against him. But other than that, and I mean, even at 15th in the NHL, it's not awful. But with the talent on that unit, as we've always said, it needs to be better than that, and it needs to be more consistent than that, especially in big moments and in games when it's given the opportunity to change the outcome. The 0 for 9s, the 0 for 10s, the 0 for 7s that we've seen. Those are outcomes that, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins lost a lot of those games. I'm pretty sure they lost all three of those games. Um, and it was given the opportunity, led by Evgeny Malkin, to change the game on that unit. So that's the only thing, to me, that goes against him. I mean, we talked about Crosby's analytical numbers. Malkin is above Crosby in most of those analytics. You know, not something you usually see is Evgeny Malkin having better, you know, shot attempts percentage, better goals for percentage, better expected goals for percentage. So he's doing a lot of uh, a lot of good defending at times, but a lot of his defense is coming through the fact that, you know, Jason Zucker and Ricardo Raquel and him are playing a lot of time in the offensive zone and they're holding on to possession a lot because their chemistry is really good and it almost seems like the puck is on a string and magnetized the Penguins players when they're on the ice together. Yeah, it really does. Those, those three do look really, really good and really fun together. Um, yeah, I got nothing more. They're, they're, they're a great trio for our second line. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Chris Letang. He's the last member of the Big Three, often thought of as the third member of the Penguins' Big Three. It is a hard season to really discuss for, for Chris Letang because it's been a hard season for him to play. I mean, he struggled right out of the gate uh, very, very badly. I mean, part of that is you're playing with Brian Dublin, who, although I feel like Dublin's gotten better as the season has gone on, but that's only because of how poorly he played at the beginning. Like, Dumoulin is still not at the level that you would want an NHL-caliber defenseman, especially somebody that you're putting up on your top pairing. But 
I, I think when you look at early on in the season, a lot of that issue that Chris Letang was having was due to the fact that Brian Dumlin was literally like a deer carcass being dragged across the ice. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, for Chris, uh, for Chris Letang, I think one thing he's shown this year is his resiliency to play through the first part of the season where things just weren't great. Um, to come back from a stroke and then to come back from a lower body injury and a personal leave for a four point game. It's, uh, this man has shown that he could still do everything he can to help this team win. I think it's not going to come at the, at the same pace. Uh, and I know I said at the beginning of the season that, you know, a bold prediction or a hot take could be he could have another career year um, in a different in a different way. Uh, and it looks like it, it just might be a completely different way and just that he'll have a career year in terms of the most resilient season he's ever had. Mm-hmm. Fighting through so much already and uh, we're just now getting to the All-Star break. It's... If he's able to finish out healthy, and if he hits his 1,000th game, I'm going to chalk it up to the most resilient season he's ever had. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. 20, I just looked at it, 20-something away, and the Penguins have 33 games left. He's like, yeah, he's at 973. Um, He's got a chance of doing it this year, and if he's able to remain healthy, stay in the lineup for that time, it'll be his most resilient season ever because that's – a hell of a milestone to hit, especially considering the season that he had. And I know it's a 1,000-game thing. He's going to hit it eventually. He's got six years left, guys. But yeah. if he's able to do it this year, knock it out uh, in 2023, that should say so much about him and about uh, his play in this, in this team because uh, he's at least being helpful since his return. Since Oh, my goodness. It's he, more he's than been great that. since his return. Yeah. He's been great. Since returning, he's played three games. He's scored four points. They were all in that first game back, of course, which was an absolute, just ridiculous performance against the Florida Panthers. Phenomenal performance uh, from Chris Letang. But if you look at his underlying numbers as well, since he returned, 53% of the shot attempts, which is 5% higher than his season average, 50% of the actual goals scored at 5-on-5, which is 6% higher than his season average before, 52% of the expected goals, which is only 1% higher, but again, an increase as well. And then the scoring chances at 55%, up 6.4% from his season average. So he has come back, and as we all predicted, he has come back and started to play very, very good hockey. And again, he's paired with Brian Dumlin once again, Mm -hmm. right? And I, we all know that Brian Dumlin is not the guy that should be up there, but that's the guy that is up there, and Chris Letang is still fighting through it and still performing and putting up really good numbers. You could argue that Sullivan did it for a sense of familiarity, too, to bring Letang yeah. back into the lineup and not immediately have somebody new or mm-hmm. somebody he hasn't played a ton with. Um, so it, it kind of made sense. I mean, that's what Sullivan said. Like he, they, Those two have been the pairing uh, the entire time I've been here. And, you know, it may not have been ideal, but hearing your coach walk through it and say that um, those two have a familiarity, they have a chemistry that, I mean, he did not right say that uh, it was going to make the the return to the ice easier for Latang, but that's kind of the sense that I took it as, um, as saying those two have chemistry. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't want to throw your veteran back into the lineup all of a sudden, and it's, here's... P.O. Joseph, I know you've only played like five games with the guy. Figure it out now. No, you yeah. don't want to do that. You want to at least ease him back in with some familiarity. And it seems to have been working so far, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would say it's been working. I think Chris Letang, what we've seen over the past week is a version of Chris Letang that could be very, very important to the Pittsburgh Penguins down the stretch of the last 33 games of the season. So we'll see what's able to happen with that. We'll see what's able to happen with the uh, the rest of the big three because feel like it's been a pretty good year uh, all things considered for this big three but they need a little bit of help guys we, we talked about it in the first segment they need some goaltending help whether that be Tristan Jari getting healthy and staying healthy whether that be Ron Hextall having to make a move or Casey DeSmith coming up on the right side of the coin more often than not in the second half of the season but the Pittsburgh Penguins at the very least at the end of the day you can rely on one thing and that is that the big three will perform they have so far this season and we both believe that they will continue to 
for the remainder of the 2022-23 season. But we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to finish off this episode as we do every single Monday with our weekly Pens Poll. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We started putting out our weekly Pens polls on Sunday, so if you feel like you've been missing them earlier in the week, uh, you haven't. We just decided that Sundays or Saturdays are the better days to put them out because they're more up-to-date. So we're starting to put them out over the weekend and talking about them on Mondays as we do every single week. But this time, our Pens poll was... The Penguins sit in the final wild card spot at the beginning of their bye week. How confident are you right now that they'll make the playoffs in 2023? 59% of Penguins fans said they're feeling anxious or what? 17% said they're very confident that the Penguins will miss the playoffs. 12% said they're not worried at all. And 12% say they're somewhat confident that the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to get into the playoffs still. Where do you sit on that spectrum? I sit, I sit on the anxious, really. It's, it, it, I sit on anxious because this team can make the playoffs. They totally can. They need the push in the right direction, and that push has to come from the front office. The, Mike Sullivan and his staff are doing everything they can with the personnel they're given. Right? They're not seeing what they like for some reason, maybe, from Jonathan Gruden. Okay? Back down to the minors, he goes. Uh, we keep... We're forced to continue playing Jeff Carter every game. All right, we'll move him to the wing, send him out in overtime as a gimmick. All right, get off the ice. Uh, we're forced to keep playing Teddy Bluger. Oh, well, he kills penalties. All right, uh, I guess we're keeping him in the lineup. Mike Solomon is doing everything he can with these guys. It is up to the front office to get any kind of fresh fresh blood into this uh, into this locker room and provide any kind of push. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. At this point, make a small trade. I don't care. We need something, right? Maybe it mm-hmm. opens the floodgates. Maybe something happens. Um, that's where I sit on anxious because one little move. We, we, because you also never want to doubt Sidney Crosby or Kenny Malkin. Mm-hmm. I've seen that for too many years in a row. You never want to doubt those two. Yeah. Uh, but, and we're not doubting those two. We are doubting everybody else on this team right now that... They just need one little push in the right direction, whether maybe it's a healthy Tristan Jari and uh, a move in the bottom six. That sounds like a good combination to me. Maybe it's a move for a backup goalie and a little uh, a little skewing around on the defense. All right, well, that sounds like a good combination as well. No, oh, by the way, both of those are to just barely scrape in. Just going to point that out. We're not going to make it to the top three of the Metro, I think. Uh, we are going to scrape into the postseason this year and most likely get slaughtered in the first round. But hey, you know what? Here's 17. Yeah. When I look at this, obviously you just mentioned that you're in the majority there with the feeling anxious about the Penguins' playoff hopes in 2023. I'm in the minority. I'm somewhat confident. I'm I'm not going to say I'm not worried because there is trepidation there. And the trepidation is, what's going on with Tristan Jari? Like, what is this injury? Is it going to bother him once he returns again? Like, is this going to be something that's going to be nagging him the rest of the season? Will he ever be at 100% the rest of the season? That's a big question that I have. Secondly, do you trust Ron Hextall to actually improve this team in the trade deadline? I don't know. Uh, And here's the thing. You mentioned the defense, and I know I was campaigning for, yeah, maybe we we see the Penguins pay that first-round price to get a really good left-handed defenseman. You know, Vladislav Gavrikov. Uh, from the Columbus Blue Jackets recently started picking up steam and been in the news for the Pittsburgh Penguins being in talks or at least interested in his services. But there are more pertinent issues on the Penguins right now. I think the bottom six is part of it. I think backup goaltender has jumped up to the top of the list. Uh, And I think that there are issues that the Penguins certainly need to fix. But I'm still somewhat confident that we've seen how good Crosby, Malkin, Latang since he's returned... Uh, Ricard Raquel, Jason Zucker, Gensel is still put together a good season despite it being probably his most inconsistent season. Brian Rust still has more to give. Paling is coming along strong. I think Archibald is an important piece. 
there are still pieces on this team. And at the end of the day, you mentioned it, Crosby and Malkin will not let this team miss the playoffs. They're not going to do that because you see how good they performed. Imagine how well they're going to perform when they see the light at the end of the tunnel. We got 10 games left. We got to win seven to get into the playoffs. Those two are going to be in a different stratosphere if that's the case. And at the end of the day, when I look at all things considered, if the Penguins made the postseason off the back of a Brandon Sutter goal in Buffalo, New York, then this Pittsburgh Penguins team can make the playoffs. If it gives you any sort of hope, the Penguins close their season out. Their last three games are in Detroit, at home against Chicago, and then on the road in Columbus. If they need three wins, those are three teams that are going to be bowing down and praying to the Lord that they lose Mm -hmm. to get a better opportunity at Connor Bedard at that point of the season. Detroit, maybe not, but you look at the standings, Detroit is currently behind the Philadelphia Flyers. By the way, what the hell happened to the Flyers again? That being said, yeah, if those if you need those three games, which by the way, hopefully we don't, <clears throat> but if you need those three games, I at least lines have confidence up. in two of them. <laughs> yeah, it lines up for you. At the end of the season, you need to beat those three teams, which should all be far out of contention to the point. Crosby, Malkin, and hopefully a healthy Jari and Chris Letang, I think those guys will get the job done. That's why I'm somewhat confident. Again, trepidation is, is Jari going to be healthy? And also, is Hextall going to be able to make the moves that maximize this lineup's potential? I don't know. That's, that, that's, that's the one thing that really is the red flag. Jari is up there, but part of me also says, you know, Jari's been injured four times in the past calendar year. Maybe... Is there any injuries left? Like, there is. Don't get me wrong. There is. But, like, eventually you have to get healthy. Like, even Jason Zucker this season, knock on wood, has turned it around to this point. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the answers are. We tried to give you some earlier in the show. We gave out some some trade targets between the pipes. Uh, we've given out trade targets out there in the forward realm. Max Domi. My guy Cody Flavel of Flavel's Five Thoughts on Inside the Penguins put out another story on Max Domi. You know, insert the the gif of the two guys holding hands with the, the arm wrestling saying, yes, we're in agreement on this. Max Domi to the Penguins. We love it. So there's a lot of names out there. Which of them are going to be wearing black and gold by March 3rd? We don't know. Well, any of them, we don't know. So we'll be. see what happens. Somebody with better it. be. We'll, we'll see what happens with it, though. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode of The Tip of the Iceberg. We will be back all week. Make sure you keep an eye on the feed. Even though it is a bye week, it is not a bye week for us. We will be having content left and right. Obviously, you have your pick of the litter, either our podcasts on our feed at Tip of the Iceberg, anywhere you get your podcasts from. If you want video versions, you can check us out on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. If you like to read, if you're still in that sort of thing, go onto our website, InsideThePenguins.com. There are multiple pieces a day usually half a dozen uh sometimes less probably if there's nothing happening maybe a little less but there will still be content for you and of course follow us on twitter at nick horwatt 41 at nick underscore berlansky and the show's twitter at iceberg podcast but that's going to do it for this one we'll see you guys next time